Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited to give this presentation. I This is a topic that I've been thinking about for a while. It's something that is a little different. I haven't presented on this before. And uh, I, I really wanted to, to tackle something more content related. Uh, in the past, I've done more tools related things, but I wanted to get back to focusing on content. And two types of content I feel are often neglected in documentation. They're product overviews and getting started tutorials. A lot of documentation does have a product overview, right? But it's often kind of watered down, fuzzy, vague, brief, anemic, not really helpful uh, in terms of like orienting you to um, understanding the product and getting a, a good feel for it. And the same with getting started tutorials. A lot of times these are not even included in documentation. They're seen as extras. Um, if they're if they are included, it's often seen as like a, a bonus, like, oh, you're getting something extra. Uh, and the getting started isn't always that helpful in, in getting you successfully going with the product. Um, these, two, these two content types, I really feel um, are the, the hallmark of good documentation because if you can get somebody going with a good understanding of the product, something that fits their their worldview and, and uh, doesn't overwhelm them with jargon, but allows them to understand use cases and so on, um, and, and what problem the product, the product solves, as well as help them actually get going with tasks so they have some success. I feel like this really, uh, these are like the game changers of good documentation uh, when you do this right. While I was thinking about this topic, I, I wasn't really sure how much my experience resonated with others. And so I did an informal survey on my blog, uh, I'd rather be writing, and I just asked people to agree or disagree with this statement. Product overviews and getting started tutorials are often essential, uh, but often neglected topics and docs and documentation. And 37% strongly agreed, 45% agreed, and only a few people were neutral or disagreed. Uh, a lot of people chimed in to say that, yeah, a lot of times our users say that we don't provide the who, what, when, where. Um, people, uh, people have this preference towards task-related information, but uh, when we kind of go overboard on tasks, the, the larger story gets neglected. People don't really understand what the product is for or which tasks they should choose for their scenario and so on. So a lot of people did, did find that, hey, I want to know more about product overviews. I want to be better at getting started tutorials. I started thinking about this more. Uh, and in this presentation, I want to kind of dive into reasons why product overviews are, are, can be poor and reasons why getting started tutorials are often so challenging. But before we get to that, I'd like to start by just giving a, a brief overview about best practices for overviews. A good overview, of course, has a description of the product, right? Um, but it's, it's a description that should make sense to the user. Uh, there should probably be some sample use cases that clarify uh, what exactly the product is for. Maybe the overview should indicate who the audience is, the intended audience, the technical level, you know, especially if, if some advanced technical skills are required. 
any kind of requirements to use the product, system requirements, or maybe geographic requirements for the product should be noted. Uh, it's often helpful to have a list of components, especially in developer docs, if you've got various things involved, uh, as well as maybe a, a high-level diagram that kind of shows how all these components work together. This high-level overview uh, of the components, is, as well as a description of the workflow for using the components, helps the user get oriented and grounded and lets them see the big picture before they start diving into the details. It's also good to indicate development effort and scope. Is this something that will take six months to implement or like two weeks is easy, hard. Um, some other sections in, a, in an overview could be how to get help, uh, help and support, or maybe a, a list of some of the popular topics so they can more easily find them. Um, some known limitations, a link to the release notes, and then a link to a getting started tutorial. So I don't think that, that uh, these sections are any big secret. Um, I think most, most technical writers would agree that an overview more or less has these high-level sections try to answer the who, what, when, why, how uh, of a product in a way that users can understand. When a user's the target and intended users reading the overview, they should at least get a good feel for what the product is for and how to get started and so on. So if these best practices aren't so um, uh, revelatory and not like rocket science, why is it that best practices still often fail? What are the causes that are really uh, making them problematic? I think the first cause, uh, reason for, for poor product overviews is the reader isn't the intended audience. So the overview fails for the reader. Um, this is this is particularly the case with technical writers as the audience, because so often we are not the audience for the products we're documenting. Uh, for example, let's say that you, I, I was just trying to find some sample product overviews and, and so on to make this more concrete. And I was checking out uh, in Microsoft Azure docs, which I think are exemplary, uh, this, this product called the Anomaly Detector. And I started reading it and it was talking about, oh, if you've got time series data, you can detect anomalies so that you can uh, you know, uh, create an app that can read these anomalies. And it was really well written and they had examples and screenshots and demos, but I, I wasn't the audience. I don't, I don't work with time series data. So I'm not even sure what the scenarios are. I don't do machine learning algorithms and so on. And I think, as we try to evaluate product overviews, we have to remember if we're not the intended audience, it, it might not make sense for us, but it could actually make sense for the intended audience. So that's kind of the first challenge in trying to assess a product overview when you're not the right audience for it, right? You have to somehow step into other shoes or gather that other feedback. Uh, it's kind of the whole crux of documentation there too, right? It's like trying to figure out what a user needs to know, doesn't know, and so on, and, and then getting the right information to them. All right, second cause. UX's influence on intuitiveness implies that the long overview is an indicator of a bad design. There's this assumption in kind of UX design that, hey, 
a product should just make sense to a user. You shouldn't have to spend a lot of time explaining to the user uh, the product. Like, if you build it uh, right, if you build it correctly, then the user should automatically sort of understand it. This idea of intuitiveness probably makes a lot more sense for mainstream end user products, not necessarily uh, developer products, right? Like you get, you get a, a new gadget of some kind, you don't want to have a giant manual that explains it. I think most people would agree. Uh, but at the same time, many products aren't, aren't a simple gadget like that, that you can just figure out on your own. Uh, they, they are uh, not necessarily intuitive and intuitiveness is too, it's too steep of a goal. Um, but, but there is a sense that, Hey, if I have to explain things too much, then maybe, maybe it was poorly designed. Uh, and that could be a reason why people don't put a lot of energy into a product overview. Um, there's this idea of, of a mental model, uh, that, that we're writing for, that all, all users have this idea about how the world is organized. They have this schema in their head that sort of indicates how things are arranged and fit. And if you're writing with that mental model in mind, or if you're designing a product with that mental model in mind, then things should just make sense for that user. Here's an example uh, in the mountain biking world. Let's say that you um, your product is a bike dropper post. These are, these are like a bike seat post where the seat, you know, is mounted that can automatically go up or down by pressing a button on your handlebars. You can automatically drop it or raise it dynamically while you're riding. And let's say that you are documenting a bike dropper post. Right? If you have to spend a lot of time trying to explain to the user why you would want to dynamically raise the seat or lower the seat, um, it, it seems like that would be, it, it would be unnecessary because for this, the hardcore mountain biker, they already know that when they're climbing a hill, they want to lower the seat so they can sit low and get kind of more traction on the back tire with, with gravel and dirt and so on so they can climb. But then once they're at the top, they want to raise that seat and no longer have it low, right? So if you're the target audience, you've already got a worldview where things will make sense intuitively and you wouldn't need to explain why you'd want to do this, right? So sometimes in docs, if the documentation already does make sense for the user, the overview might not actually be necessary. You might not need a long overview explaining the dropper posts. It's just something that fits within the worldview of the target user. And again, this comes back to the, the challenge of being a technical writer uh, who's an outsider to the domain. If you don't have that, that mental model in your own world, in your own mind, then it becomes really difficult to assess the product overview and, and determine whether you need to be explicit about uh, reasons for things uh, in the content. All right, let's move on. And by the way, feel free to ask questions at any time. Um, I'm, I'm happy to engage in any, any point here or, or we can queue them up at the end. There's a little chat panel. Okay, let's move on to another reason why product overviews are often poor. Uh, they're hard to write, and so they're often neglected. Now, why are they so hard to write? Well, I think that 
the product overview requires you to be thoroughly familiar with the product. Right? You've got to you've got to kind of understand it from A to Z. And as technical writers, we're often building our understanding little by little, incrementing it over a number of weeks or months. And usually there's a light bulb moment for me where something finally works and makes sense. That doesn't usually come until late in the game. Um, usually uh, I can't finish the first page of documentation until I write the last page. You know, By the time I'm writing that last page, I, f I feel like I've kind of slayed the monster. I fully understand this product. Uh, but by then, we're at crunch time, we're near release, and it's, it's difficult to sort of uh, uh, hunker down and try to develop a really extensive product overview because it's right near release time and I'm trying to finish the other documentation. Um, one tip for, for this scenario is perhaps to kind of have placeholders in the overview so that as you're going through the product's documentation and writing it uh, and you say, oh, this is a known limitation or, oh, this is a requirement or, oh, this is a great architectural diagram. You can just kind of fill in the blanks in your, in your template for your product overview. And, uh, and that way, when you, when you do finish that last page and start writing the first page, um, that then you've already got these sections ready to go. But it is kind of interesting to think about this scenario, right? Like, um, you know, not being able to write the first page until you write the last page is sort of an interesting paradox. But it, I think it's apt to describe the story of writing documentation because no, nobody starts out writing docs uh, from a perspective of already completely understanding the product at 100%. At least I, I rarely uh, am in that scenario. Um, all right, let's go on to cause number four. Agile's code development influence makes it difficult to surface higher level content needs. Now this is a, a a cause that I think is really a challenging one to to get past. The idea of agile development is that you don't want to just build a product in isolation uh, for two years and then reveal it to the user and say, "Ta-da! Here's your product. It's built." And the user looks at it and says, "Oh, this isn't what I wanted." Um, what you want to do is check in regularly with the user to give them brief demos, keep them apprised of what, what's going on, show them along the way so that you can course correct if you find that you're going in the wrong direction. Uh, Agile was born in a time when many projects failed. They, they had this waterfall method that uh, was very lengthy in terms of uh, the requirements to the finished solution and uh, you know the, the the user would often reject it because it didn't meet their needs. So we wanted to make that the project methodologies changed to make it so that it was much more integrated with the user and that you are constantly showing the user what's going on. Well, if the user is kind of a co-developer, so to speak, because they're looking at what you're building, they're under they're they're more involved in in regular demos and scope and uh, other kind of requirements all along the way well they don't they don't need this user who's a code developer doesn't need a product overview because they're basically they basically helped you build the product uh, problem is once that user who's a code developer in the product history 
once that user is out of the picture and you have a totally new user who wasn't part of that, that development history, uh, this new user is probably going to be much more lost. Um, I've often worked with doc sets that just look like a bunch of building blocks, but there's no higher level picture about like what you're building or why. Uh, it's just like technical notes on how to implement something that people seem to already know what they're building. Um, there's just no sort of overview about the feature, why why somebody would need it, how, how you go about um, or how it solves a problem or what kind of pain point it addresses. It's just like, hey, here's an API and this is, this is, uh, these are the parameters of it. It's like, why would I want this API? That knowledge is just implicit because the, the user was a co-developer. All right. Another reason why product overviews are poor uh, is because a lot of times products have this layer of, of marketing content that sits beside the docs. And so a lot of these questions might already be handled in the marketing content, which then makes it redundant if you include it in the documentation itself. Higher level questions about the use cases, for example. These are often covered in, in, in developer marketing content uh, or, or just regular marketing content or information about um, uh, requirements, maybe you know, the marketing content already makes it clear that this is a product only available in a certain region and it identifies the target user with maybe use cases and, and all kinds of other detail. And maybe the marketing content really handles this higher level picture in a much clearer, crisper, efficient way. You know, marketers often have great imagery. So if you then try to handle this content in the docs, it could come across as being, uh, uh, just repeating yourself, uh, repeating content. Uh, this is a really challenging issue and, and it's often interesting to look at documentation, especially developer docs is just my space. So most content I look at is from this view, but developer docs really, um, sometimes there's a marketing companion site and other times there's not. And when there is, I often like to look to see how people handle the redundancy. Sometimes writers will will provide more of a matter of fact kind of um, description of things that, that are, are described differently in the marketing content. Maybe the marketing content has things at a higher level, whereas the documentation makes it more uh, plain speaking and more granular and more technical and detailed. For example, high level architecture, you might have a a marketing image that has the, the diagram and the architecture, but then in the, in the documentation overview, you can really get into the nuts and bolts of things and, and geek out on more technical uh, details. Um, this is now it, for documentation that doesn't have a marketing layer, uh, it really presents challenges to the writer because marketing content is, is not supposed to just tell the high, the high level description. It's not supposed to just present a high level description and overview of the product. It's supposed to kind of present the product story, the origin myth. Think of a product like Red Bull, right? The energy drink. These are, this is a classic example of a product story, right? The, the, the product story of Red Bull is that it's the drink of uh, mountain biker daredevils and helicopter skiers and extreme sports uh, experts and so on. 
um, there, there's a sort of origin myth or there's a there's this there's this connection they're trying to make to the user's emotions and tell this story about the product well that's not really the territory of docs like we don't we don't get into origin myths and these higher level stories if there were a technical writer working for red bull he or she would probably be focused on describing the product's ingredients or describing uh how not to not to take too much not to drink too much or something more uh practical um so anyway what when if you are presented with this challenge of, of moving into the product story space it can be very uncomfortable because we just really don't think in that that term in those terms and yet um understanding this product story is actually pretty essential for documentation because you want to have your your documentation aligned with the same shape and general messaging as other content touch points we don't want to have a bunch of silos it's not like marketers go do their thing and documentation people do their thing and support do their thing and it's like pre-sales business development does their thing no the whole idea of content strategy is to make more harmonious content messaging um, across all user touch points and understanding the larger product story can help you shape maybe your content around the developer journey. Uh, you know, what is that developer journey? And, and just understanding what points to emphasize or what points not to emphasize in, in the documentation, how you present the tasks the user will do, their finished uh, product and goal and so on. But it's definitely a challenge handling the marketing content. Uh, for sure, this is a this is a big reason why sometimes product overviews and maybe rightly so uh, seem anemic. All right, let's go on to the last cause here. Techcom buys into the reading to do paradigm for docs, reducing the value of longer conceptual docs. Uh, it's no secret that for I don't know however many decades, Techcom's general theory about how to do documentation well is to focus it around the tasks that users want to accomplish. It started back in John Carroll's research in the 80s, which he called minimalism, where you want to minimize these long conceptual overviews and instead focus on tasks that the user is trying to do. You want to get them going into the product. There's this idea, it's pretty pervasive, that users don't want to sit there reading. They've got this goal or some tasks they're trying to do. They want to, they want to just get the steps for doing it. And their, their uh, reading of the docs is just a temporary measure and they want to jump right back into doing some real world task. So as a result, so much of documentation focuses around tasks, 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 that the idea of some product overview that doesn't have a task, that's just like conceptual information about the product, uh, sort of goes into the trash can. Um, there was actually some more recent research, especially in the API doc space, uh, about user behavior. Um, some studies on how do users actually use API docs. People, researchers, observed them. And they found that, that there was a much greater hybrid between people who are reading to do versus people who are, are reading to uh, understand. And they called the, the reading to do behavior opportunistic, kind of an unfortunate term, but that's what they said. And the reading to understand was more systematic. And it wasn't as if every developer started out with an opportunistic behavior or 
as if every developer started out with a systematic behavior. A lot of times people might start out uh, trying something and then they get a little stuck. So they jump into reading more about it, getting a better understanding about, about it at a high level. And then they jump back into trying something. And then when it fails, they jump back into reading. So there's a much more fluid back and forth between reading and trying. Um, and, and I really think that, um, it, yes, of course, like tasks are incredibly important. And I, I do generally support the idea that most people are trying to do something. And so we want to give them task-based documentation. But there's also a huge uh, need for users to understand um, more concepts behind why they would want to do tasks. Uh, somebody, when I was floating this idea on my blog, somebody said, yeah, I was, I was in documentation the other day and the documentation immediately jumped into three different options for installing a product, but it didn't tell you why you would want to pursue option one, two, or three. It was just like, you can install it this way, this way, or that way. And the user was just totally lost. They're like, well, I don't, I can't make this decision. And this, this higher level information about the why, uh, why you would want to do one task over the other or the advantages of one approach over another was completely abandoned or, or not addressed. Okay. Um, all right. I've been talking about reasons for poor product overviews for a while. Um, and the, those are the only, those are the six causes for for which I think product overviews uh, are sort of poor. Now I want to switch gears and talk more about the uh, getting started best practices. But before I do, I just want to invite anybody to ask a question. Feel free uh, or submit a comment. Um, happy to address anything now, or we can do this at the end. But uh, you know, I, um, without kind of saying too much about current roles and everything. I feel like when I arrive at most documentation roles, the product overview is just sort of sort of non-existent. And I have to piece together what the product is really about. Uh, and that's why I wanted to dig into some of these reasons about the product overview. It may be the case that the product overview is fine. You know, it could be handled in the marketing layer, the user's mental model might already be aligned. Maybe you only have three users and they totally understand the product and you don't even need to address the user who is unfamiliar with it. But, you know, being an outsider to the domain really does help you identify gaps uh, and, and it creates this friction point because the product overviews, overviews often don't make sense. Um, and that, that's kind of where tech writers' strength can shine because we can more easily see things that don't make sense. Okay, let's jump into getting started tutorials. Now, in general, a getting started tutorial tries to, especially in API docs, it tries to help the user have some success with, with your product, even if small. The most classic example with developer docs is, hey, you have this API, I'm gonna show you how to make a, a very simple call and get back some basic value. And that, that's gonna require the user to do some authorization setup so they can make the call. Maybe they have to retrieve API keys. It's gonna require them to understand like the full path to submit the call and maybe some parameters that are available and then the response, right? Some kind of response. But that's the, the essence of developer docs is you have a request and a response, whether it's a REST API or some other type of API or a command line or some non-API product. It's usually 
that, that core model and that getting started just takes a user through request and response. Um, you want to try to remove the burden about setup requirements as much as possible. This is um, often one of the stumbling blocks. Maybe, maybe you've got to set things up uh, uh, for the user, give them some kind of sample accounts. The getting started should take a user from beginning to end through the entire tutorial. You don't want to require, um, you, you want to allow people to kind of work off this same getting started tutorial page and not just point them into 16 different places in the docs for details, but streamline it there for them. You want to make sure the tutorial actually works and provides the advertised result. Uh, you want to maybe take the opportunity for teaching moments. You remember that, that a user who's going through a getting started tutorial is actually learning and they're kind of open to uh, little asides that explain things, maybe reinforcing what you've covered in the getting started tutorial or, or providing links there. And maybe include a troubleshooting section in here. Like, hey, if you're getting this, this error, it's because you didn't install this utility or you didn't you did not uh, configure this permission or something. So, you know, getting start a getting started tutorial really does help users feel confident and comfortable with a product because they've they've made it work even to a small degree and they can often take that understanding and apply it to much more complex scenarios. Just being able to call the API and get a response is huge. You do that for the most basic scenario and you can build on that success and do much more complicated scenarios, you know? So I love getting started tutorials when they actually work. So much of us are experiential in our learning. We like to see things and especially engineers like to push buttons and make things work and understand things uh, by, tr by trial and error and so on. So the, the getting started tutorial definitely taps into that mindset. Now, why are some getting started tutorials, which I've shortened here to GS tutorials. Why are they sometimes poor? Well, first, they're often seen as an optional extra, and few few of us have the time for optional work, especially at release times. Uh, this is this is probably a huge a huge problem in docs if we just see uh, getting started tutorials as something that we don't have to do. You know, if we don't have to do it, then then we're usually not going to go out of our way to actually do it. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's as simple as that, right? People have, uh, you really do have a, an obligation to your core docs, right? You, you have to get out um, like the basic information about <clears throat> what APIs are there, what they return and so on. You have to get out information about how to authorize requests, you got probably have a huge load of basic core must-have docs that, that you're aiming to finish by release. And then this getting started tutorial seems like the cherry on the top. We're like, oh, you know, if you have time, then add this. And, and this time is often neglected. Well, one way around this is to just remember that usually you can keep adding to docs after their initial release. You don't have to just close the door after you publish your first first version of things. You can always follow this up um, uh, with a later release. Okay, another reason why getting started tutorials are often poor, the product setup 
might just be too involved or practical for a getting started tutorial. Uh, I remember when I was working at Amazon, there was a product I was involved with. Uh, it was like Alexa integration on Fire TV, and it really did take an entire day to set things up. You had to set up all kinds of services and permissions and create uh, lots of different things and different systems in order to get it to work mm -hmm. at even at an even most basic that. level. Uh, and I think a lot of products are like this, right? Technical writers are called in usually to document complex products for complex organizations or scenarios. And, um, you know, there might be, you might have to set up a database, set up a server. You, you, you might have to have users officially authorized uh, and maybe authorization only happens after they sign a contract. Uh, there's just a lot that can really go on here that can make it very difficult for you to um, be able to create an easy getting started tutorial. Um, so what can you do if, if, this, if this setup is just too involved? You know, there's not an easy sandbox. There's no guest accounts. Well, um, what you can do is you could maybe scale back the scope of the tutorial so that the result is much smaller. Maybe it's maybe you just teach a user how to get API keys or something. You teach a user uh, how to get a response on the command line. You teach them how to you know prompt the help section in the command line or something. Uh, or you can go the opposite way and say you know what this might be a be a getting started tutorial, but it's a really long one. This this tutorial is going to take you two days to get through. It, which in that case, it's probably no longer a getting started tutorial. It's probably your main implementation workflow. But uh, you know, you could, you could swing both ways there, uh, either making it more brief or more extensive. Or you know, if possible, uh, there are some uh, ways to really speed things up through through uh, provisioning. Sometimes uh, you can. Your, your engineering teams can create scripts that auto-provision certain databases and set things up. In Postman, which is a, a client for, for REST API uh, docs, you can create workspaces and share the workspaces so that users already get a bunch of calls. That might make sense for a product. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely a huge stumbling block. It would be nice if all products were just like a simple API and you just, you just uh, uh, call the API and you get a response and it's it's so clear but it's not the case in so many products okay cause number three there's no sample app to demonstrate how to call the API um, I work with a lot of Java API's not rest API's uh, rest API you can just call in the browser sometimes you can just paste the actual endpoint into the browser URL and you get back a response uh, but with Java APIs, it's a whole different ball of wax. You've got uh, a library that you have to implement or integrate into an existing app, existing Java app. Same with C++ or other types of APIs that are more native to the, to the user's system. Um, and in these cases, you may need a sample app to demonstrate how to call the API. Maybe you want to say, hey, there's a certain class, and if you instantiate the class and you configure it this way, you can get something returned. Well, you can't actually uh, just 
demonstrate this unless you have some sample app that has the, the sort of underlying framework for these files to work. And a lot of times engineering teams are really reluctant to provide sample apps. It's a huge sort of order to request this uh, sample app because engineering teams, they don't want users to just copy the sample app. A lot of times it's too primitive. It doesn't scale. It doesn't handle XYZ use cases. It's just like very bare bones. Um, and then getting them the sample app is another challenge. Do you put it on GitHub? Do you package it into the other code? Uh, who's going to maintain it? Does it work? You have to test it in a regressive way with each release. There's a lot of work there. So if you don't have the sample app and you're trying to get a user to understand how to use this API, you, you might really be at a challenge. It, it might require you to uh, sort of describe to the user how they would incorporate this into their existing app. Say, hey, you've got to add this class and now call it and so on. Um, so in order to to do that, your, your getting started tutorial would assume that the user already has their own sample app that they're then integrating your steps into, which, you know, is a huge assumption, but uh, it could be one workaround there. <clears throat> um, there's probably other methods, like within an, an IDE, the, the sort of uh, tool, tool that a developer would use. A lot of times you can, you can mock a call and so on. All right, let's go to reason number four. This is probably one of the biggest reasons. The getting, getting Started tutorial omits details for the sake of brevity, which then threatens clarity. If you're essentially taking a novel and converting it into a poem, you're gonna skip out a lot of, uh, you're gonna skip out on a lot of details. And those details are probably important to make, to make it clear what you're doing, what you're explaining. And this is, this is why this getting, getting started tutorial is really a challenge, right? You don't want to, you don't want to remove the, these, these details because then it goes against the very sort of principles that, that technical writers follow for clarity and being explicit and clear. I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself for, just making sure that the whole, uh, the, that all the detail that the user needs is available to them. Um, so how can you do this? Well, an easy way would be to link out in areas where you think maybe a user wants more information. You know, if, if you're trying to keep this to like one page or 2000 words or something, you're going to have to just summarize some steps. Like, hey, log in and get your API keys from the dashboard. Something very brief like that. Whereas in the full-fledged task for those, maybe that involves uh, steps that say, click, click the sign-in button, you know, register your account and then go to this dashboard and click this sub-tab and so on. Well, uh, if you just provide a link that says, you know, get your get your getting started tutorials from your dashboard for more information, see these topics. It does sort of implement a, a progressive information disclosure technique that allows users who need more information to get it, but users who don't to just omit, omit uh, all that extra detail. But really this ability to distill huge amounts of information into, uh, into more 
streamlined, shorter segments is a higher level skill. It's, it's not easy to do this. And because it requires you to distill this longer information into a compressed, short, but still clear uh, documentation content type, um, it, it can be a challenge to writers. It's, it's not easy to, to write. Um, I have a whole section on, on uh, how to reduce and distill vast information down to its essence. Um, I'll provide some links at the end. But certainly, uh, it's it's not easy to do this. So it could be one reason why getting getting started tutorials are neglected or poor. Another reason, the tech might just be too complicated for tech writers to walk through themselves. You know, this this getting started tutorial is a very hands-on task. You're actually walking through something and getting a result. And sometimes the technology we're documenting just doesn't lend itself to that. Maybe you, you, uh, your task involves integrating an API with a vehicle's hardware abstraction layer, which requires you a to have a vehicle and then to understand like how this hardware abstraction layer is configured and so on. And the product that you're documenting, uh, might require, you know, in order to get it to work, might require that integration, but that integration is just too complex for a, a tutorial, maybe outside the scope of your documentation entirely. Uh, some technology is just really complicated, and sometimes tech writers are more editors and publishers. We're not necessarily uh, like um, fully capable of, of walking through all this content ourselves, um, especially in developer docs. There are many areas that just are. Uh, require an engineering sort of knowledge to get through and that could that could make it so that the getting started tutorial is just really difficult to pull off um, I mean ideally I would love to say that yes I test all of my documentation I run through all the steps I, I make sure I can do it all myself a hundred percent and that would be a lie because uh, so much of the documentation is not easily testable. It's not something that somebody can just just uh, call an API and see if the result matches the docs. It's like a hundred times more complicated than that. And I, I suspect it's the case for many products. That's why technical writers are hired in the first place because something is a, professionally difficult. Um, so they call in somebody who's got more experience. But uh, you know, if this is the case, what can you do? Well, an engineer somewhere, probably in QA, is testing something. Uh, it's just like a de facto part of the, the software release process is you've got to have a testing function. And that testing function could probably walk you through some way that, that a product could be tested. And that those steps could perhaps be extracted for uh, these getting started tutorials. Okay, cause number six, the last cause. The content isn't tested against real users. Uh, I once, uh, I was doing these API workshops last year before COVID and so on, and one of the tasks involved having users try to complete this getting started tutorial from SendGrid, which was supposed to be a five minute tutorial, and it was, it looked pretty easy. But uh, when I had my users or the participants do this, only one out of about 20 actually did it successfully and the rest just ran into various errors. Um, 
I think when we're writing these getting started tutorials, it's easy for us to sort of uh, go through the steps and to make sure it works. But again, because this content is often extra, it's bonus content, we don't really vet it too deeply. And if it works for us, we often ship it, right? Well, that, that isn't a great way to ensure uh, content is gonna work for users. You really need to have actual users. And the getting started tutorial is, is really a perfect type of content to test with actual users because it, it, it is all encompassing from A to Z. It's supposed to walk a user through setup to ex some kind of execution and result. Um, so you, in a short amount of time. So theoretically, you could find an engineer who maybe isn't part of the product team and borrow them for a couple hours and see if they can actually make it work. Uh, that sort of testing can be very eye-opening, eye revealing, and um, it could definitely lead to better, better quality here in getting started tutorials. Okay, so those are six reasons why getting started tutorials are often poor or non-existent. And I've tried to provide tips along the way, but I think in kind of just hearing myself articulate these, um, the larger story I'm telling is that, is that these tasks or these content types are challenging for a host of reasons. It's, it's not simply uh, misunderstanding best practices or not really knowing how to go about them. It's that there's a lot of complex causes that make it so that these content types are hard to pull off. They're really among the most challenging probably in documentation uh, for, for at least six solid reasons for each of these content types. Now I just want to hit one last point here, balancing the two. Uh, when you have both a product overview that's rich in detail and a getting started tutorial that, that works well, you can integrate the two. You can link between the two because in with both of these content types, the user is in a learning mode. They're trying to understand the product. So if the, if the user starts with a getting started, you could, uh, during some of these little teaching moments and the asides, you could link over to concepts in the product overview uh, and kind of help a user understand things at a higher level at certain points. And vice versa, in the product overview, if you're going through the architecture or something very abstract or conceptual, take the time to say, hey, if you want a more uh, concrete view and understanding of this, try this getting started tutorial. Or, hey, uh, we, we provide a, a more um, visual example here in step eight of the getting started tutorial. You know, see that. Look for ways to kind of integrate the two. It, this sort of balance between concepts and tasks doesn't have to be limited to product overviews and getting started. You could do this in any type of content, really. really. Um, you know, a, a, a documentation set probably has a number of overviews. It depends how complex the product is, but you probably have an overview for each feature within the product. You could have uh, sort of getting started in integrating each feature and a getting started for the product as a whole and a product overview for the product as a whole and so on. It depends how complex things are, uh, but you can certainly link back and forth between tasks and concepts more fully to help sort of um, help these users who are flipping back and forth between reading to understand and reading to, to do. If you want more reading here on this topic, I have a couple of, a few blog posts. Um, 
if you these are links uh, oops I'll fix that but basically I have a if you don't already know I have a API documentation course that I'd rather be writing.com you click API documentation course there come down to oops, let me balancing product overviews with getting started tutorials uh, I've I've sort of um, have a written version of what I was going through in this presentation. I have an introduction to this problem and then reasons why product overviews are minimal or non-existent. We've got all these causes, uh, just kind of gone into them in more detail. And probably, uh, it's probably better to read this than to hear me speak. I'm not as articulate, but anyway, if you want more reading, jump into it here and I'd love to hear feedback and so on. Um, I think that I've only scratched the surface here. I'd love to add a lot more concrete examples and, and other kind of uh, tasks related to, to trying this out and so on and learning how to assess these. All right, uh, that's pretty much it. I would love to address any questions that people have or thoughts. Love to hear reactions and feedback or tips that people might have um, looking in the chat. And uh, I think Elisa was going to read any to me if we have any. If we don't, that's fine too. Um,